And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we are back. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Conaway, and today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. And they can help you do a lot more than that. So definitely check them out. That Again, that is Fullscale.io. So today on Startup Hustle, we're, we're actually going to talk about something that I don't really know very much about, but I'm excited to learn. And we're going to be learning at the feet of an absolute expert. We're going to be talking to Patricia, Patricia Tatro, fractional CFO for ResolveWorks. And we're going to be talking about financial modeling. So if you are an entrepreneur and that is not something that is in your wheelhouse, you are definitely going to want to stick around because we're going to be learning all kinds of cool stuff. But first off, Patricia, thank you so much for taking the time to, to come and chat with us. We are, we're psyched. Absolutely. Thank you, Lauren, for uh, including me on your show today. Oh, you got it. Well, well so let's, let's hop right into it. Uh, so, so I'm just going to ask you kind of the general question and then we'll go from there, but tell us, you know, tell us a little bit about you and tell us about how ResolveWorks came to be. I, I want to hear that origin story. Absolutely. So, um, I can tell you about how I ended up at ResolveWorks and partnering with, um, our founder, Jillian Middlemark. Um, I started my career, uh, in corporate America, lots of great companies. I even worked at GE, lots of ex wonderful experiences. Um, but what I started to find is, um, kind of more and more interest with startup businesses and closely held businesses and working with, you know, decision makers. Um, while I was working at GE, a dear friend of mine started um, kind of in that industry. She was actually recruiting for people that did that kind of work. We weren't in the same area, and this was back before remote was really a cool thing to do, but it got, it kind of piqued my interest, and I was constantly thinking about that type of life. And um, then also at one point helped my business, my husband, um, when he started a business, I started working with him a bit. And so these different things were kind of playing in my mind. And so then um, our life took us from Georgia to Minneapolis um, back in 2015. And so shortly after I got here, um, I started working with um, a couple of different startup businesses and had a great time, helped them build, you know, get, build up from the basics, you know, get all their systems in place and all the things that they might need to, to be successful. Um, but then along the way, I met up with Jillian Middlemark and she had founded ResolveWorks in 2015. And when we met up um, a few years later, we found that we just shared a lot in common, the types of people we like to work with and all of those wonderful things. And so we immediately started working together um, to, to build ResolveWorks, um, expand it in, in the local Twin Cities area as well as throughout the country. Um, and um, the passion we kind of had was for that fast growth energy, you know, what these 
you know, dreamers and entrepreneurs are, you know, doing and how we can help them, right? Because it's like, how can we empower them so, to be successful? Because, um, you know, we understand, we understand that they're losing sleep. They may have mortgaged their house. They may have given everything up to make this work. Or if they're trying to keep a job, they're basically giving up all sleep to make it happen. But you know, there, it's all out there. And the struggle these, is real. For yeah, sure. exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, and so it's very rewarding to work with people like that. You, you know, you get to feel like you can make a difference. I mean, yeah. um, corporate America, I learned lots of awesome things, but I didn't, it's not that I didn't think I added value, but it's not that same thing. You know, um, the CEO of G is not going to call Patricia and ask her thoughts and which is fine. I didn't need that, but it's very rewarding when you're talking to somebody and they like, I have this idea or I have this worry or I can't sleep right now until we talk about this thing. Yeah. Um, can, what can we do uh, to, you know, make this business succeed or what do we do if we're going to have, you know, during uh, COVID a couple of times, like, what are we going to do if the cash is not coming in? You know, right. we have to start playing worst case scenarios or things like that. Um, but a lot of times it's startup businesses that, you know, have estimates of growth, they have um, ideas, they need help building, you know, pricing structure, they need to know their costs, they all the things they need to get in front of in, investors or bankers. And so that gives us a chance to help them. Um, and sometimes it's just helping in those stages. And, and other times we come in and help um, ongoing. Um, well, often, typically, it's ongoing services, but we're also ha happy to just come in when they're trying to get started and want to have a you know a few conversations as well sure. and work on some projects. Well, so so sorry, we have two conversational directions that we're going to go. Mm. And the first one I'm going to introduce is a little bit of an outlier because I definitely want to get into you know use case. I want to get into like why why do you need financial modeling in your business? What what risks are you trying to mitigate? Like I want to have that conversation, but first. I want to have it. I want to have another conversation with you. Okay. And this is really like a very selfish Lauren just feels like it kind of conversation. So here you go. Uh, so, so my question is, you know, you are a female founder, you have another female founder and you are operating in a pretty um, notoriously male dominated field industry when we're talking about finance. And so I just kind of wanted to I wanted to touch on your experiences there. What has it been like as a, a as two female founders <laughs> right. uh, navigating the the kind of fintech, you know, financial space? What what's that been like? So you might be surprised to hear it's not been a problem at all. And maybe I wear blinds. Oh, I love that so much. <laughs> but you know. I know we are surrounded by scenarios where people have real struggles and real challenges to overcome. And I would never minimize that experience for one sure. second. Um, but I also do believe um, the energy and the mindset you put forward makes a difference. So I don't know how to say that because I would never want to offend anyone in the real situation. But for me, and that's all I can say, for me, yeah. I have been more about um, energized within, what can I do, make connections. Um, and I've never felt like being a female has stood in my way. Maybe I just got lucky. So I, again, I don't know. But, that, that's a totally acceptable. Like I ask the question and yeah. I ask it of most, most of my guests, cause I'm just kind of curious, uh, but that it's a totally valid response. You know, if that hasn't been your yeah. experience, like tell us your truth, because I love hearing that. 
I want right. I want there to be a day where every single female founder is like, yep, not an issue. Didn't mean a darn thing. Um, yeah, so I mean, I love that. <laughs> for sure. sure. You know, it's not like I have blinders to the situation. It's not that I've never been in a situation where I'm sure maybe an equal person got a better deal or, or more money or, you know, whatever. Yeah. But um, I think I just, I believe that what I'm offering is a value. I believe in my skills and I know where my line is and where it's a stretch. And, um, sure. and I try to interact with people that, you know, the energy just fits. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. I, one time in my entire career, I guess I had somebody say, I don't work with women. Mm -hmm. And I, it was a blurb. It was a second. And it was almost just too funny. Cause again, if I was getting that all the time, I might feel defeated. Right. Um, right. but, um, no. And, and I think, you know, Jillian and I work really well together. I think we just bring a, you know, an energy and our clients, uh, we have fun with our clients and I hope that they can see that. And so that you know, awesome. I don't mind telling people the same story. So yeah. Um, no, I, I, I love that. Well, so, so we, we went down my one conversational little tributary. Uh, so now let, let's get into the meat of it. Cause I, I'm really curious and I know that we have some entrepreneurs uh, playing at home who are going to want to hear some amazing in, insights from you, Patricia. So, so first things first, we're going to take the 10,000 foot view and I want to talk to you about financial modeling. How do you yep. define financial modeling? So basically there's, there's a few different things. So, you know, it can be used for an annual budget. People have heard of that. They're comfortable with that. Um, it can be used for ongoing forecasting. So a kind of thing that the budget is what you want your business to do. Forecast is what it's really doing, what you can expect. Um, sometimes um, we're using it for projections and that's more of um, putting in uh, certain scenarios, you know, especially in a startup situation, you don't have the history to show it, um, but you have a projection of what you believe your cost and your revenue and your growth rate will be. So that is, that is kind of 10,000 feet. All right. And then if you think, well, how could it be used? So once you start to put these models in place, um, it can be used uh, for when somebody is trying to build a pitch deck and they're getting in front of investors, those investors want to understand, is my business making money or is this idea going to make money? And um, how long is it going to take me to get my investment back? So my rate of return, sure. they're going to want to understand the margins of the business, which is, you know, um, the best way, like I, I know most, I, 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 in my world, people know that what that means, but let's say that someone doesn't know what I mean by that. Um, I like to use like a lemonade stand example because it's, Ooh, it is, I, uh, I, I love simple analogies. Let's hear yeah. it. <laughs> so, okay. Fair enough. If you have kids down the street doing a lemonade stand, they don't really know um, if they're going to make any money and the mom's providing the supplies, just glad to see them playing outside and no, no one's concerned about whether they really make money. Well, and the kids don't really know what it costs. In fact, just the other day, I was driving down the street and there was one, there was lemonade stand. So I, I pulled over. I don't even like lemonade, but I knew I'd give it to someone in the house because how could you not? They're so. How did you just pass it by? Yeah. yeah. So I, I get the lemonade and um, they're like, oh, it's going to be a minute. We've never had a lemonade. So I'm standing there like, well, what do I talk about? So I asked them. I got some blank stares, so I asked them, I said, so do you know what it costs to make the lemonade? 
no. <laughs> and and I asked a couple of follow-up, but you know, of course, the the goal wasn't to make them feel bad, so um, we had to change the narrative a little bit because uh, that I wouldn't want a found you know a founder I'm working with to feel bad, and I certainly don't want these young children in my neighborhood to. But if you look at the lemonades example, you would say, okay, what does it cost? Let's say per cup per unit. You want to know what your costs are, so you look at. Um, the variable, right? The sugar, right. the lemons, the water, cups, whatever. And you'd want to know, you'd want to calculate what my per unit cost is of lemonade. Um, you also want to know if, to run that business, what are the fixed costs? So that might be your table, um, your signage. Um, in this scenario, your labor, um, other scenarios that might not be fixed, but we'll go with it. And then, um, then you want to know what your revenue is by cup. So you calculate the sales or, you know, the, the, what you're going to get per cup when you sell it. And you, then you can do a basic model from that. You can say, okay, this is my revenue minus my uh, cost. It gives you your gross margin per cup. And then you say, I think I'm going to sell so many cups. And then you'll know your gross sales, your, your gross margin, and you can take away your fixed costs. So it's kind of a simple model, right? Sure. And um, you'd have to make some assumptions of things you need. And, and then you'd say, okay, um, you know, one, one person lemonade stand wants to expand, right? They want two lemonade stands or they want to offer cookies too. So then they could run, okay, well, let's see what happens to our cash if we start selling these cookies and, or if we, you know, start selling, I don't know, uh, tea, <laughs> whatever yeah. they might sell. And so that's kind of uh, a simple way to understand what a financial model looks like. You, you know what you're selling, you know what it costs, you have different assumptions, um, and then you want to do some case scenarios. You know, what if I, what would happen if I increased my cost? Um, and then you'd have to, you know, you maybe you could do some benchmarking to find out, um, you know, how much you could increase and things like that. But, you know, do some research to, to analyze that sort of thing. Yeah. But I mean, the need for it comes in for all kinds of, you know, scenarios and, and, and the complexity, of course, gets it goes in deeper. Right. But, um, you know, that's kind of the, the what you're doing. You, you've well, got so, so to I think that's a that's a really good base explanation, you know, to, yeah. told in the narrative of lemonade stands, which I love. Um, but so, so talk about. So, so let's pretend I, I'm a new entrepreneur. And I want to build a really strong financial strategy from the ground up. So what do I need to be doing to make sure that I'm setting myself up for success? That like somewhere down the line, I'm going to be able to pinpoint, you know, what is my cost per unit for my product? Um, you know, determining, you know, budgets and, and financial forecasts. Like what are some of the first things that I, I'm going to need to make sure that I do in order to be a responsible steward of my business's finances? So um, I think the first thing you have to do is build the, build the business plan. Um, I sure. think before you, open, if possible, and this is not always the case, but if possible, before you open the doors or turn on the e-commerce or um, start offering your services, before you start putting money into it, right? Um, you you have to, I think building a plan even a very um, basic plan to see if you can make money on this idea because it it sounds amazing but you should find out if if your lemonade stand is going to make money right, um, right. so um, and then once you kind of have a gist of it you you've done a little research you've um, you know talked to 
people who might know some things, you know, got an idea. If you feel like it's, it's a valid business, then you can dig into the details more. Um, if you're just, maybe you just decide, Hey, I'm going for it. I, I don't even know yet. I can't help it. If somebody, if you, if you've gone down that path, I do recommend a couple of things that sound basic, but you maybe you'd be surprised. Maybe you wouldn't, um, go get a separate checking account, you know, um, go get, you know, some type of business structure, um, you know, get an LLC or S Corp, C Corp, whatever, you know, makes sense for the business you're building, but, um, get something like that for, to protect you legally and don't, and try not to commingle your personal funds. So, um, often that just doesn't seem important when you're just getting started, but it makes it so much easier and, um, offers you, uh, it just offers you more protection to keep it separated. And it also keeps it cleaner. Um, it's not about just making it easier tax time. It keeps you from missing deductions and things that happen because it's much easier for someone so maybe, maybe you don't bring in an accountant right away. Maybe you don't do anything right away other than you. You're doing it all. But at least you right. are keeping it separate. And when you're ready to get help, um, it's a lot easier for that person to come in and clean up and, and understand what's happening with your business. Sure. Well, so, so I love that. Um, and I, I especially think the keeping your, your finances separate, like that's a really important conversation that we need to be having. Cause I, I, I know a lot of entrepreneurs who are like, oh, I'll just pay for this out of the business account. And it's like, those are new shoes. Are you intending on doing a, a write-off on those? Cause I feel like that might be a personal expense kind of deal. So, yeah. so I, I love the fact that you said that, but so, so those are some really, really uh, great ideas for folks who are looking to kind of get started. What are some yep. things that you need to do to be fiscally responsible to set yourself up for? Because the fact is, like financial modeling, it's only as good as the data you have available to you, right? Like, oh yeah, you're going to be able to make projections if you're building it on on faulty data or incomplete right. data, and you need to have those really strong projection projections in order to make really vital decisions for right. your business, right? So, yeah. so what are some, what are some things like the folks who are kind of in it to win it? They're already, you know, they, they have a product, they have clients, they have traction, they have sales and a pipeline and all that good stuff. All those beautiful things that we talk about within the <laughs> entrepreneurial community. What are some things that that entrepreneur can do? So, you know, even, even that person, which is hopefully only headed in the right direction, um, yeah. they, they do want to understand their numbers. It's so important to know, to know your numbers. I just don't know how else to say it. Um, yeah. But doing type, you know, go ahead. Maybe you're not trying to do another scenario, but you really still want to do like a cash forecast. You know, even if you're not adding a product or changing a price or doing like that, you want to have the, the discipline of um, at least once a year, do some you know, financial planning and understand where your business is. Um, I think you have to revisit it more often, but let's, you know, the basics, um, build that plan. And yes, you could take some historical data, but then ask the questions, okay, you know, what could change with my customer base? Um, is there anything happening in the market that could change? You know, of course, yeah. no one has a crystal ball. Every budget is wrong, right? It's just how wrong is yours going to be? But right. they're, they're never right. Like, I, they're kind of always garbage, right? Because they're, if somebody thinks it's like, they can predict the future with one, but you can make it a really valuable tool and something that you can measure your business against. Um, you sure. can use it for, um, you know, compensation planning, you know, giving people goals and things like that. You can start to, um, 
you know, you know, build that kind of measurement in, and then um, you can update it quarterly, monthly, whatever works for you with with real information. And so, okay, yeah. what's the real forecast need to be, and and take it from there. But I think having having the discipline to stop what you're doing and re and visit your plan, um, right. Even when you think things are great, because also you want to maybe start to decide what's a good buffer and ha have a little bit of a worst case scenario planning. So, you know, right. you're good. It takes away stress. You know, I mean, you can relax so much if you have thought about worst case scenario right. um, and what you do if it happens. Right. Um, but also having clean financial um, planning results and things like that, that helps you. Um, it helps you do your business. It helps you if you're having conversations with bankers or investors or you know, any of those things for sure well and i i i love that because i you, you mentioned you know you never really know what's going to happen and your budget is I, I i actually just reviewed the ihkc budget uh the the budget that we proposed back in like um i don't know december of 2020 and like we had proposed it for the 2021 year and I looked at it and I just started laughing because yeah. I was like, well, you know, it's it's always a good idea to like do check-ins and I've checked in on a regular basis, but I'm just like, yeah, what we thought was going to happen in 2021 wasn't really that close to what happened in 2021. But I will say that like having that command of the numbers and having, you know, those reference points that, I mean, that's a health metric as well. Like, yeah. What did we prospect and how far are we away from that? And and what how did we get to that? You know, get to that right. discrepancy. And then how can we exactly. avoid it next year? I don't think there's anybody who would have predicted a global pandemic. And no. I know businesses that soared because they they were able to pivot, they were able to respond, mm -hmm. or they were already creating pro products, their services that were ripe for the market you know i mean look at right. zoom they were already doing their zoom thing wow i know and then all of a sudden there's a pandemic and you know they just popped right into it very nicely i also know a lot of businesses who really really struggled and so you know figuring out okay how much of a runway do i need to have to cover this this worst case scenario and how much you know, insurance, do I need to have to, to figure out how to move forward? You know, all of those questions, they're just, they're absolutely vital for entrepreneurs to, to answer. And you can only answer them for yourself. Another thing that is absolutely vital to entrepreneurs is having ongoing support, particularly if you are a technical entrepreneur. And I do have to tell you that today's episode of Startup Hustle was sponsored by fullscale.io. So if you are looking to build a technical team, and they do a lot of other stuff too, but if you're looking to build a technical team, there is no easier way to do it. There is no more, more cost-efficient way to do it than to tap fullscale.io. So definitely check them out. Uh, we love them around the startup hustle hallways, but I, I think that as a consumer and as entrepreneurs who are looking to build tech products and all that fun stuff, um, fullscale.io is a solution that really, really works. So I would, I would, I just wanted to say that. Yep, that's good. <laughs> but I also, uh, so I wanted to ask, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to brag on yourself a little bit and I'm going to kind of put you on the spot. So please forgive me, but here it goes. So give us a, give us a case study, like a client that you worked with through ResolveWorks that was better able to make a decision or was able to use data to create some positive influence in within their business can you can you talk to us a little bit about that i want you to brag on yourself 
Right, right. So we love these scenarios where we need to map out, um, you know, what would happen to the business. And we've done this in a few different ways. We've done this for clients looking to acquire a business. We've done this for, for clients looking to hire, say, a COO. Um, we've looked at, yeah, um, you know, adding a product line. So, so all kinds of scenarios. Um, and, and one story I have actually is um, it didn't turn out I mean, it depends what you consider a, a good result. So I had a client, it's a startup client, but um, they wouldn't have normally had the funds, but they had created a unique structure with stock that they were looking to acquire um, this rather large business. And um, it was actually going to be out of the country. It was three and a half million euros. And that's just, you know, that's a big investment. And what often happens is um, <clears throat> the CEO's you don't think about it. They, they become friends almost, right? They start to talk. They, they believe in the shared product, They this idea. And this was kind of what was happening. And so kind of at the end, I was got brought in. I didn't even know what was happening with my client. And there's like, yeah, you know, can you look over the numbers a little bit? And so what I started to do was not only look, look at the financial results of that business and um, get an understanding of um, what that might do for this client, and build that model, um, I actually had to do a similar thing for the, the business they wanted to purchase. And when I did that and started asking the questions that nobody was asking, and you know, ever again, every people start becoming buddies and assumptions were they were answering these questions themselves in their heads rather than to each other. So the yeah. end result was it, yes, this purchase will be worth three and a half million euros but you're gonna need another one and a half to keep the doors open. And so what I was able to do by doing this modeling is show them this is real, this is your real cost and this is what it would do to your business. And that deal did not happen. Um, so that sure. didn't feel good obviously, but I know it was the right answer and I followed up enough with that. Sa other you saved a business from a potentially disastrous result. So, I mean, that had to feel good. It <laughs> did feel good. And, uh, you know, well, let me cut to the future. The other business didn't make it um, because they needed they needed that extra cash that it didn't make sense for this client to invest in. in uh, and, and I know those were big dollars. The same, it doesn't matter. That could have been $200,000 or, you know, the transaction size is relative to the person getting involved and understanding and asking the questions. And you do have to, and that gets to a due diligence piece that we can do on kind of the M&A stuff, but um, it, you know, which is modeling, but within, um, you know, taking a look at the, doing the metric analysis and the KPIs and, you know, looking at those businesses the same way we would to our clients' businesses, um, you know, helping with those sure. decisions. So yeah, it was a good story in that, in that sense, like it feels you did good. your job, you mm -hmm. know, like yeah. that, that's exactly yeah. what you were designed to do, you know, resolve works and, and you specifically like you are an expert who is helping entrepreneurs and startups make really good decisions for their business. And I, I can imagine that your client roster is inordinately grateful. If I had people to take some of the that stuff off of my plate, uh, I can't even tell you how much cash I would want to, to rain down on that yeah, like, remove some of that worry. <laughs> no, I, for sure. I mean, we all bring something different to the table and to expect, you know, the, the founder, the dreamer to know everything. A lot of, a lot of founders have a great business sense and they know numbers and all these things, but they, there's something they can't do, right? Maybe they could do right. that, but they couldn't do sales or they couldn't do something else. And for every founder to know, um, what makes sense for them to do and what doesn't what what's causing yeah. them 
uh, what's take what's taking them away from what they do best and what's actually you know is it costing the business money or for them to do it or you know this you know what what could go wrong right you have to know right. that sort of thing um kind of like if i try to diy a house project you yeah know, like there, there are things that no. nobody should trust trust me to do and and, <laughs> and i'm really glad that they don't but that actually raises a really interesting point and i want to talk to you a little bit about this so so resolve works you are billed as a fractional firm right so so when we're talking about fractional services one of the things that we talk a lot about around startup hustle is the fact that entrepreneurs are especially when they're first starting out are, are kind of expected to be good at everything you have to be good at product development you have to be good at sales you have to be good at marketing you have to be good at uh you know the the financial piece you know all of that stuff and, and that can be really frustrating. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the fractional model and, and why you chose to, to kind of put, your, put yourself forward as a fractional service. So can you, can you speak to that a little bit with us? Yeah, so I really, um, I enjoy working with multiple clients and it just creates kind of an exciting world for me. So, um, yeah. and the truth is, is a lot of entrepreneurs don't need a full-time CFO or any accounting staff for that matter, full-time. Um, and so, you know, they might try to do, oh, I'll just hire one person to do everything. Um, but that sometimes ends up making them pay more for something or they're not getting the right person for the job. But I love it. I get to do what I enjoy the most. I get to help yeah. clients that maybe, you know, couldn't afford to bring in somebody at that level yet. Um, but now they can consider bringing someone in because they just need, they really just need a few hours here and there of support right. to help them make good choices. And so that's just very rewarding. And I get to see, you know, the path of all these businesses, you know, the the growth, sometimes the contriction, but, you know, whatever the, the journey is, I get to be a part of that and hopefully support them and give them some, you know, ideas or strategy um, as well as, you know, I, I get to work with other, their other advisors and, you know, to come up with, um, to help them plan their, for their, for success. So yeah. it's very rewarding. I love that so much. Um, so, so as a fractional employee, what are some of your best practices for working with a client? Well, let's see. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is regular communication. It's, um, you know, some clients don't want to talk more than once a month or so, and I respect that if that's their wish, but I really enjoy it when we have um, weekly check-ins. I like it because we can take it, we start every call with um, what's new. I, I guess the first thing, I send an agenda for every meeting, and um, the first thing I want to know is what are the updates? Um, what's new? They can share the stories, and then we have a chance to discuss all the, any open issues, anything they ask for help with, then I, you know, I give them, um, you know, updates on any of those items. Um, and then we go through um, new priorities that need to be set. And it's just good. I mean, those check-ins might be 15 minutes, you know, if there's no, if we're not doing a financial review or anything like that, but that, that regular communication, um, I think makes it a big, a big deal. And we even, um, with a lot of clients, we join some of their team calls. So, you know, if they have a, a weekly or bi-weekly team meeting, we often join that when it makes sense. Um, and get involved with the client. I mean, kind of like we're, we're their internal team, even though we're outsourced, if that makes sense, you yeah. know, because we, we enjoy getting to know the full staff. We enjoy working with that. We can do, we do a better job when we get to know the team, 
because the more we understand their support and their operations, the better everything, well, we're going to ask more questions. So um, I consider that to be the, the biggest thing, um, you know, the way I do it that I believe, you know, helps everybody. No, that is, that is awesome. And I, I love how you uh, kind of define that for yourself. Like, I'm going to do the stuff that I really love to do. And I'm going to take it off the entrepreneur's plate so that they can do what they really like to do. Like that, yeah. that is awesome. And I, I, I just love that way of looking at it. So, so clear communication, um, which I think is really important. And I love the fact that you try to uh, familiarize yourself with the whole team. Like you're getting that really holistic picture of what a business is doing and kind of what they're all about. Cause so, you know, sometimes financial decisions have a lot to do with culture and like yeah. how risk averse are you and how, you know, as an organization and, you know, how does your leadership react to, to change and, and things like that. So it's just really interesting to hear you talk about it that way. Yeah. Um, so talk to us. One of the things that I want to talk to you about is, is margins. Um, so when we're talking, you mentioned KPIs earlier. Sure. And when we're talking about like those kind of financial health data points, of which I know there are many, what are some of the really, really important ones that entrepreneurs playing at home can kind of focus on, hone in on? It'll vary, you know, business to business, I'm sure. But are there a few that entrepreneurs should pay really, really close attention to? Yeah, no, I think, I mean, understanding um, for sure the margin of their business, right? They, they, that is just so important to know the, like their um, gross profit margin. I think that spending the time to all, to understand if it's changed, what's causing it to change, um, you know, hundred percent, you've got to know that. And then where possible benchmark against the industry. And I also think that, you know, um, with especially with starting out, you know, have that cash flow over time built. Understand your break-even point, your um, payback period. That, that that's you know just crucial. And um, not so much as a KPI, but really another thing I think you've got to spend time with is understanding your revenue drivers. So what is um, what causes business to fluctuate? If you the more you can identify that and not spend into you know, so you invest your marketing dollars correctly, your energy right. correctly. Um, but I think it, that analysis of, of that's very important, as well as, again, any of the other things, whether it's your um, your cost of goods sold, that that margin rate uh, and anything over time. I think it's very important to understand how it's been trending in the past and where where you think it's going to go. It can by taking the time to visit that you can start to see a problem. Um, you know, I had, um, we had someone on the team working with a client and there was something wrong with the financials. We did not figure out what we, there was a double entry of a sinking issue going on. And that wasn't quickly obvious, but what was so obvious to him was that margin rate's not right. He started to look at my product and he's like, there is something wrong here. And by doing that, we started to dig into the answers. So when you, when you have that deep understanding of what things should look like, you know when it's not right, it's either this time it was a technical issue, but it could be um, sure. another problem that arises. So, yeah, yeah, and I I know that people a lot of people look at like P and L statements and things like that, and it just like at least when I do, like sometimes you know images start to flash in front of my eyes, and I get out the world gets swimmy because I'm just like <laughs> I don't really know what I'm looking at. Uh, so luckily, I have some very smart people around me who can help direct the the ship when we're trying to figure that out. But 
just really, really glad that there are people out there like you who enjoy doing this work and who are ready to help those of us who do not. So thank yeah. you for that. <laughs> um, so, so I'm going to, I'm going to ask this question and we've, we've touched on a lot, but I'm just going to ask for a little bit more from you. Cause I, I, what I, what I love about the show is that we're getting down to like some really actionable advice. Like these are the things to look for, and this is what you need to be doing in order to ensure that your data is correct and uh, and I just love that so much because I think I, I I love talking about things that our listeners can do and enact in their businesses, yep. you know, today, tomorrow, a week from now. So so I'm going to ask you, what are your what's the what's the best advice you could give to an entrepreneur who is struggling with managing their their financial data and figuring out how to parse through what that means? Well, um. If it honestly, you know, um, if, if you don't understand what you're looking at, I think it really does make sense to find some help and find some support. It, you know, someone to walk you through your numbers to give you an idea of what it means. And so for sure, you just, if you don't understand what you're seeing, you've got, you've got to go get that support. Find and, someone smarter than you. Maybe even yeah. call ResolveWorks for sure. <laughs> for sure. That's never a problem. We're always happy to help. But, <laughs> Definitely, you know, you have to have your team that 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 understands the pieces. And if you if there's something that's keeping you up at night, you're gonna your business is gonna do better if you figure out how to solve for that, whether it's accounting and finance or something totally different. But you you better get like get that pressure off the, the quickest way you can so you can get back to being creative, you know, and doing what you loved and why you started the business if possible. Um sure. But yeah, I mean and what we try to do for our clients is summarize things in a like you can, there, you brought KPIs. There's so many KPIs, but the truth is you got to know what's important to that business. Um, there is not a 10 best list that I believe works for every business. And I also don't think you need 50. You need to find out what you're, what you really, what really matters. So I, I honestly, as I get to know a client, I like to see what questions they're asking. That starts to give me yeah. a check in of what's important to the business. And then we can develop metrics. They might not even be financial, um, but but let's look for a one page summary of, hey, this is this is what's going on with you and this is what yeah. it means. And then, you know, let me listen to your questions and we can dig deeper as needed. Yeah, no, no, I love that because you're kind you're kind of chunking out data because I, I, I do think that like sometimes, you know, in business, you're throwing so many acronyms and so many mm -hmm numbers and like sometimes it can get a little overwhelming so so i think that's that's really like honestly listeners if you take away one thing today uh when it comes to financial modeling determine what is important to you and your business specifically because that's going to be unique probably but figure out what's most important and then track it and keep tabs on it religiously. Uh, just make sure that you know those numbers backwards and forwards so you can identify trends and you can identify problems and hopefully run them off at the pass and you can identify opportunities. So so I love that. Uh, and now, Patricia, I, I have a question for you. And it is the human question. And honestly, I'm asking it because I have a scented candle going right now and it's really pungent. And so uh, this is what I'm going to ask you. But what is your, what's your favorite scent? Oh, goodness, goodness. It does kind of depend on the mood. Um, 
breakfast That's in the very, morning. Give us a in the morning, it would be coffee, but um, maybe Ooh. I would actually, but I wouldn't call it that, like I wouldn't wear it. Um, but uh, <laughs> no, honestly, I love a lavender candle. I was going to light Ooh. a candle to go that direction. So right, right now I have one that's like sun-washed citrus and it kind of smells like a Skittle. And so that that's what I like. I've sniffed it a couple Skittles. of times. So I just thought I'd ask you that. But yeah, yeah. No, I, I think coffee is a great answer. I, I actually don't even really drink coffee, but I love the smell of coffee. Um, it smells so good and it's roasty great. and yum. <laughs> um, well, Patricia, I cannot, I cannot thank you enough for spending some time with us today, uh, giving us some really, really great advice and, and helping the entrepreneurs who listen to Startup Hustle, um, you know, figure out this, this financial piece. Like it's, it's overwhelming to some. So, so thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. Oh, thank you, Lauren. This was a lot of fun. I love talking about this stuff. So um, uh, great to be invited here and and share a little bit. Oh, I'm so, I'm so glad. Uh, and and I, I do have to say, um, once again, today's episode of Startup Hustle was sponsored by Fullscale. They can help you build a software team quickly and affordably. Um, they can help you do a lot of other things. And Fullscale is helmed by uh, the ever-famous Matt Squared, Matt DeGorsi and Matt Watson. If you're thinking about starting your own tech company, you definitely want to check out Startup Hustle's weekly How to Start a Tech Company series. Uh, the episodes feature the Matt's. It is a 52-part series that takes you from start to finish on the startup journey. So uh, always have a good time with the mats and they give a lot of information if you are looking to start a tech company. So definitely check that out. You can also, if you want to keep up with Startup Hustle happenings, find us on Instagram at Startup Hustle Podcast or check out our YouTube channel to hear more on Startup Hustle TV. Listeners, we are so very grateful for you. You take time out of your busy, busy schedules to, to listen to us and to listen to the thought leaders like Patricia that we have on the show. And we are so grateful. We will, we will catch you on the flip side. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.